Whether you're after supreme performance, advanced intelligence, or breathtaking style, there's a C-Class just for you. Decisions, decisions, decisions. The 2017 C-Class sedan starting at 39500 Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. It's time for authentic and insightful business talk radio. Chief Executive Radio puts you right in the boardroom of some of the world's top thought leaders and titans of industry. So whether you're a CEO, business owner, board member, or aspiring entrepreneur, buckle in and welcome to Chief Executive Radio. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here at Chief Executive Radio. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We know you have a lot of choices out there, but you're choosing to spend it with us. We couldn't be any more grateful. I want to thank all the veterans and soldiers out there, as I always do, for their great uh, sacrifices out there, protecting the very freedoms that we get to enjoy on a daily basis. We have a tremendous show lineup for you today. We're going to be speaking to a great friend of mine and somebody who I admire greatly for all of his work over the past four decades, if you will, and he is notoriously known for uh, selling and delivering mentorship and courses to over 300,000 students out there in the marketplace, teaching them how to essentially do what we now know as leverage buyouts. So he's a real pioneer and a true entrepreneur in the in the sense, and so I'm excited to have my dear friend Gordon Bazaar on with us today. Hey, Gordon, how are you? Welcome to Chief Executive Radio. Well, I'm glad to be here, Jason, and glad to be chatting with you, of course. Awesome, awesome. You know, before we dive into what you're doing now and all the exciting things that's going on in your life, let's go back a little bit, maybe not to day one when you were born, but back a little ways in terms of what you've done in terms of helping um, the different entrepreneurs out there that you've met over the years and talk, speak to a little bit about the LBOs and the courses you've designed and sold over the years. Okay, well, I'm going to really short uh, this, uh, short uh, cut this because um, if I go back far enough in my business career, um, there's some incredible things that I was able to accomplish, but they don't bear on what on the question that you're asking. So uh, let's just jump right to the 1970s where um, I began uh, building businesses through leverage buyouts using financial leverage to take the assets and the cash flow of the companies that I wanted to acquire and leveraging those assets and cash flows to create literally all the money that was required to buy the company. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to buy companies. Uh, I was able to buy companies that were compatible with the companies that I already owned to build a bigger, more robust um, type of business with uh, more um, uh, horizontal and vertical uh, dimensions to them, and then sell them for very substantial amounts more than I paid for them as I built them up throughout the 70s. In the 1980s, uh, if uh, those of you are around who remember that time in the early 80s, the prime rent, the prime rate went from uh, you know three four percent to over 23 percent in a very short period of time. And so when interest rates were low, you could leverage money very efficiently to buy companies. But at 23% interest rates for prime rate, you couldn't do that anymore because by the time you started building up the company, the debt service with that kind of interest rate would literally eat you up. So um, I switched my, my emphasis at that time 
to training other people how to do LBOs because they still could be done efficiently at the small business level for a company that, let's say, wanted to grow or for a person who just wanted to get into their business for the first time. And so I taught uh, people at that time um, through a program that I developed called Bizarre Financing. And we did this worldwide. Uh, We gave seminars in literally all the English-speaking countries of the world. We developed over a 12, 15-year period of time 350,000 people that we literally trained worldwide to do this. Um, and then that brought us up to the uh, to the 2000s, and at that point we had such deal flow from all the people that we trained on how to do this, who were coming to us to help them close their deals, get their financing, etc. That the combination of training and then the financing and the help in negotiating and putting these transactions together became the basis of what I do. And we extended that to coaching, but only coaching those people we could actually be partners with in buying the companies. Mm. That's fascinating. And so how do you see that translating into today's world? You know, obviously, you and I have spoken about it before, but we see that with all the baby boomers exiting their businesses or seeking to exit their businesses without really a real exit strategy, meaning their kids aren't going to take over their businesses and things like that. How do you see that translated today? You talked about the largest transference of wealth in the history of our world, for that matter, and those that supplant themselves inside of that stand to gain the most. Speak to that just a little bit. Well, the magic number is over $12 trillion of businesses are going to change hands. About $4 trillion of them have already done so. Uh, so there's about $8 trillion worth of baby boomer-owned businesses that will be sold over the coming next seven to eight years. And uh, what one of the reasons we've been so successful of late is we've positioned our graduate base to be the folks who are acquiring these companies. And that's the incredible opportunity that we all have in front of us right now is these businesses have to get sold. Uh, Many of them, frankly, are just closing down in the absence of qualified buyers. And to be a qualified buyer doesn't mean you have to have the cash in the bank. It means you have to have the know-how of how to financially leverage the purchase of that company so that the seller gets what the seller needs to get from the business and you end up with the ownership of the company. But it's one of the greatest opportunities, certainly, of my time because the baby boomer generation is huge. The number of businesses owned is huge. There's got to be a transfer to the millennial to the millennials, and this is the opportunity to do that. That's awesome. We're going to take a real quick break. Don't go anywhere. And when we come back, I want to speak to the whole bridging the gap between Wall Street and Main Street, how you see that happening, and then where do you see your company going from there, and uh, what do you see on the horizon in terms of that? So stick around. You are listening to Chief Executive Radio Show. I'm here with Gordon Bazaar of Bazaar Financing, and he's very, very active in so many different areas, so I'm looking forward to talking to him further about that. Uh, we appreciate you spending part of your day with us. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Wow! That's a low price! Wow! That's a low price! Wow! That's a low price! How many products do we carry? Wow! 7,000. I'll get him a cart. Hot diggity dog! That's a low price! Staples has low prices on everything you need for your office. And we mean everything. Staples, that was easy. 
Great. We are back. You are listening to the Chief Executive Radio, chiefexecutiveradio.com. Go to Facebook and like us, Twitter and follow us, both at Chief Executive Radio. We appreciate you spending part of your day with us. And we are here with Gordon Bazaar, and we've been speaking to Gordon about the largest transference of wealth in the history of our world. And there's uh, trillions of dollars sitting there of businesses that are getting ready to be sold. And we believe that there's a real opportunity there. Now, Gordon, you know, we've seen a lot happening in Wall Street and Main Street, for that matter, in terms of middle market companies and then Wall Street and trying to bridge the gap in understanding what's going on there in terms of having them interact with each other. How do you see that going down over the next, let's say, year, two, three years down the road? Do you see more capital being deployed from Wall Street to Main Street businesses? And speak to that a little bit. Okay. Well, you've asked me an interesting question, and my perspective on it is very different than most people. Uh, I come from this, uh, this opinion just from a different positioning, different angle. I don't see Main Street and Wall Street ever being really compatible, okay? And the reason for that has nothing to do with the economy. It has nothing to do with the culture. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has to do with the fact that they're coming from a totally different place. Wall Street is all about numbers and money, it's about return on investment. It's about all the things that people who want to invest money or lend money uh, care about, which is the protection of their capital, number one. Number two, the return on investment that they get. And number three is the growth of their equity values to the extent that they're investing in equities. So that's their focus. That's their 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 uh, their holy grail, so to speak. Main Street is totally different. If you go to talk to most entrepreneurs about their business, and especially if you're talking to the first-generation entrepreneur, the person who's really building the business, money is not the first thing on their mind. Providing a Finding a need, uh, as entrepreneurs do, filling the need, providing customer service, building their brand, their reputation, um, all those are the things that matter to the entrepreneur. They, to them, the money is the secondary. I mean, please don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to make more money. But the money is the secondary motivation. Their primary motivation is they want to work for themselves. They value their independence. They value the fact that they're uh, building their brand and providing customer service. And most of them are passionate about what they do, and they love their customers. Now, you compare that culture with a money numbers culture, and they don't mix. And especially when the objective of the entrepreneur is not short-term profit, but the long-term growth of their business. So the two cultures just don't meld. And the reality is, is that if you're part of Main Street, you've got to be way more creative about how you get your funding and your finance than through, quote, Now, you do see an application, though. I mean, obviously, Wall Street or private equity firms and things like that are seeking out deal flow. And so you definitely see an application in terms of Wall Street looking to deploy capital and getting equity positions inside of middle market companies, correct? Yes. And, and yeah, but what happen, yeah, but what happens is, uh, Jason, again, this is just my experience of it all, is the minute that the Main Street company invites the Wall Street company into the business, Okay, life starts to change for that entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they're responsible to people to produce results. They're responsible to people to produce certain revenue numbers, to, to, to um, 
to increase shareholder value and to cre- there's a whole bunch of per- prerequisites now that they have to refocus on. Many times the people who built the entrepreneurial uh, uh, business are culturally inept at satisfying the needs of Wall Street. Invariably, when that happens, you get a turmoil between the two cultures and you get a power struggle between who's ultimately going to take over the control and direction of the business. And uh, many times they work out and uh, they find a way to blend the two cultures and they find a way to make it happen. But many times they don't. Um, What I will say is in the current environment, there is going to be an increased pressure on Wall Street to make Main Street deals. Um, but the success of them and how the two cultures blend is continu- is going to continue to be a challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about you? Where where is your company heading, and what do you guys see on the horizon for your firm, Gordon? Well, in our particular case, we see ourselves as a moderator between those two cultures. We're entrepreneurs, number one. Number two, we have a firm acquaintanceship with money and capital. And the reality for us is the ability to blend those two cultures into one where we can work with money people on the money side and produce for them and show them the kind of returns that can be produced that attract them into this marketplace. And then we're also able to work with the entrepreneur in a way that we preserve for them their independence, their ability to build their company in their own vision, their ability to uh, apply the uh, branding and the customer service and the building of their business long-term despite the pressures from Wall Street to show short-term results. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. Well, you know, listen, as always, we have uh, a delightful time speaking to you, Gordon, and, um, you know, we look forward to getting continuous updates from you on how things are going. I know you and I are involved in some opportunities together and, We'll continue to update update the audience on that as well. So, again, Gordon, thank you so much for joining us here at Chief Executive Radio. Tell people they can find out more about you and your services and how they can get engaged in bizarre financing and, and all the things. Sure, doing. there there there's two websites that people can go to and they'll see literally a lot about us. One is our uh, private equity uh, company, which is NationalDiversified.com nationaldiversified.com. And then the second is a website which is called Getting Rich Your Way, gettingrichyourway.com. And that, um, and that will really take people through a 26-minute video where they will see exactly how we do these kind of financial leveraged buyouts. Awesome, awesome. Well, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and we appreciate you spending part of your day with us as well, Gordon. And Let's uh, let's connect up soon. Will you come back again and join us here at Chief Executive Radio? Great, and thanks for having me, Jason. It was a pleasure. All right, Gordon, take it easy. We'll see you guys again next time. You've been listening to Chief Executive Radio Show at ChiefExecutiveRadio.com. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Chief Executive Radio. And if you want to hear more, head on over to ChiefExecutiveRadio.com.